know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Kaylee Murphy and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. All right, guys. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. How was your weekend? Hey, it was good. It was, uh, we went to Pigeon Forge and did all kinds of stuff with the kids. Oh, yeah. What'd you do in Pigeon Forge? Oh, we went to Dolly Parton's Stampede. Oh, I've not done that yet. Oh, it's so fun. Is it? Yes. They ride up on the horses, feed you good. And yes, the food is great. I heard it was. It's like half a chicken or something. It is, it's a whole, like, Cornish hen. One of those small ones. Oh, my God. And you get pork and corn on the cob and all, all kinds of good stuff. That sounds just awesome. It was very fun. Me and my buddy Scott, we went hiking out to Yahoo Arch and Yahoo Falls, Kentucky's tallest waterfall. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Did you get some good pictures? I did. I was pretty happy with that. Awesome. The arch was pretty incredible, too. I'm sure. It was in the Daniel Boone National Forest. Mm-hmm. I don't hike a lot in Kentucky, but I think I'm going to start because that was just the nicest trail. It was just really nice. That's great. Was it a long hike? No, it was like a mile and a half round trip. Wow. I can handle that. Yeah, no, it was nice. And the waterfall was just insane. Like, I got a photo of my buddy Scott with it, and he looks like a little ant. Wow. I know. I bet that was cool to see. Yeah. Nice. I need to go out to a couple others out that way. Yeah, check them out. Oh, well, we got a good show coming up. We do. We're excited. We have a Leslie with us. And Leslie, just a bit about her. Leslie joined United Way of East Tennessee Highlands in 2019 as the Director of Resource Development and became President and CEO in October of 2020. Prior to United Way, Leslie spent three years as a Director of Development for the ETSU Foundation, as well as six years at CASA of Northeast Tennessee, with the final four years as the Executive Director from 2012 to 2016. Leslie holds a degree in Communications Arts and Journalism and a Master's of Public Administration with a specialty in Nonprofit Management. Growing up in the military, she is proud to call Northeast Tennessee home. Welcome, Leslie Solens. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I thought I'd throw her last name in there because we forgot to throw that in there. Oh, well, hey, you just said it. I know, so. Leslie Solens. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so one of the things we like to do to get people to know you a little bit better is have a few fun questions, and mine's pretty easy. Okay. What is your favorite Super Mario Kart character? I'd have to go with the princess. The princess, Princess Peach? Yeah, because I was always hurt. Like, when I was little, I played, so I always had to go with the girly one. She is the first one to answer an actual character. Really? Yeah, most people are like, I don't play Mario Kart. Oh, oh I my did. God. All yeah. the time. I love Mario Kart. What's your character? Oh, I'm always the, the Princess Peach, for now, sure. Now, see, when I played, I don't think she was Princess Peach. It was just the one prin- the princess, princess with the pink dress. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's evolved since then. but It has. I love that game. I play as two characters. I play as Dry Bones and Shy Guy. Really? Love Dry Bones. I would have pictured you being like Bowser. I, I've been told that many <laughs> <laughs> But no, no, I love Dry Bones and uh, Shy Guy. Cool. Yeah, I play Mario Kart still all the time with my kids. See, even those I feel like are new characters. Like I played just with the original Bowser, Yoshi. Yeah, because in the original it was Koopa Troopa. Yeah. And Dry Bones got added later. Yeah, that, that's a new one to me. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Okay. So my turn for a question. I am going to ask you to describe your perfect day. Like if you could do anything you wanted to do, go anywhere you wanted to go, what does that look like for you? Mm, that's a good question. I, I'd have a really good cup of coffee sit out our porch looks out to a really pretty farmer's field so I'd sit out there or if I could be anywhere I'd definitely be at the beach doing that but either way sit out outside with a good cup of coffee okay so coffee Dunkin or Starbucks I'd prefer to make it at home we're actually looking into investing in a really nice espresso maker right now so nice I'm more of a the Starbucks and Dunkin are too sweet for me okay yeah Mm. so you like the bold coffee yeah strong stuff yeah I grew up in the military so I got to have Italian coffee and I lived in Italy for a little while okay just a straight espresso (laughs) yeah that's great yeah but no just relaxing I'm I'm all about self-care and just slowing down relaxing Mm -hmm. so I just read a really good book awesome all right so that leads me into my question okay what do you put on your burger I'm I'm pretty basic when it comes to burgers. I'm a just cheese. Just plain cheese, yeah. no nothing else. Now I can go for like a good blue cheese type uh-huh. burger, but just every day I just do cheeseburger plain. Growing up, that's all I had. <laughs> I am cheeseburger plain mustard ketchup. I can huh. do some mustard. I'd, ketchup is a no for me. I like mayonnaise. Yeah. That, I know some yeah. people are grossed out by mayonnaise. No, my sister it. Tara is a mayonnaise fiend, and she's a twin with Tabitha that works here. Ah. And Tabitha likes ketchup, and I like mustard, so each one of us liked a different condiment growing up. <laughs> so you had to stay stocked up at yeah. your house. Yeah. yeah. All right, so my turn for a question. Yep. Okay, so hmm, let me think of a really good one. If you had to watch a movie over and over again, what would you choose? Not a lot of people have heard of this movie, but my favorite is Big Business. And yeah, I've not heard it. Nobody, I, I haven't found anybody that's heard of it. It's a two sets of twins, and I can, they're actually pretty popular actresses back in the 90s, and I can't think of their names right now off the top of my head, but one of the twins gets switched at birth, uh-huh. and so one of the sets of twins is from New York City, and one's from, like, Alabama, and so it's a really funny movie about how they end up meeting each other and figure out they got switched at birth, and huh. just the differences of their lifestyles, but it's hilarious. It's an old 90s. 90s movie what about you my favorite movie yeah oh man you had to ask me yeah. um gosh that's tough i see i have categories of movies i have the serious ones and then i have no just what's one you're gonna ones. you can put on a watch over and over oh when you just asked her i know but see i didn't <laughs> ask myself that and so I, you should. I, I really have to contemplate these things yeah for me it would be big fish Oh, that's a good one. I love Big Fish. Okay. It's, it's about an old man dying, telling these tall yeah. tales. Love it. Okay. Well, mine would be Home Alone. Okay. That's a good it's my favorite movie of all time. Home Alone. Yes. The original. Yes. The, okay. The a good n- one. numero uno. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Love it. Hello, everyone. Like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. And we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Leslie, will you share with our Impact Stigma family a little more about what you do for the United Way? Sure. So I'm the executive director at United Way of East Tennessee Highlands. 
And we serve Washington, Carter, Johnson Counties, and Southern Sullivan, which is Piney Flats. And our mission is to break the cycle of poverty in our communities. We do that by supporting nonprofits. So we know that our nonprofits are doing amazing things in our community. And we support them through monetary means, but also administrative areas and just training, board training, things like that. I know uh, you do a lot with us here at Frontier Health as well. We do. Uh, Frontier Health is definitely one of our agencies that we support, and we love what you all do. So uh, will you share what it was like for you growing up and what made you want to go into public administration? Sure. Uh, That was just kind I kind of fell into it. I loved journalism, which is my undergrad degree. I love writing and researching. Mm -hmm. And so that got me into CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates. And so that was actually volunteered with them first because I was able to kind of do the investigation of the case and write a report that went to the judge to help make them make a better decision in a child's life who had been abused and neglected. And so that just really, I just really enjoyed volunteering there. And then they were hiring a coordinator and I ended up getting hired and that's kind of how I fell into the nonprofit business. Yeah. But I loved it. I mean, I've, I've loved every bit of it, just seeing how nonprofit works and how they help the community so much. It's just really foundational part of every community, and it's been really interesting to see that. So as a leader and mentor to others, what have you found is the best way to encourage others, especially during challenging times like this? Just like I said before, I'm a big proponent of self-care. I think as a leader, if we can take care of ourselves, then we can take care of others. Mm-hmm. I think nonprofit leaders, a lot of times, um, nonprofits in particular, are there because they want to serve others, right. which is why they're in the nonprofit field. But sometimes they forget to serve their self first. Mm-hmm. And so you have that. Their glass is empty, right? And they're trying to you know, fill somebody else's glass, but mm-hmm. theirs is empty. So I would just really encourage leaders, especially in the nonprofit world, to take care of themselves. So can you share more about CASA and your time working for the organization? Yeah, I loved working with CASA. Like I said, I started out as a volunteer and then I couldn't believe that they'd pay me to train other volunteers and recruit other volunteers. So I did that for a few years and then again, the director position kind of fell into my lap. We had a director leave and they asked if I would take that position temporarily and I found out I really enjoyed that position. I was able to further my career, but also just have a different perspective of the organization as the director, which led me into the fundraising piece of it. And I just really enjoyed that. So yeah, CASA is a very unique program. As, I mean, it's really based all on volunteering. And so I learned a lot about recruiting volunteers, retaining volunteers, and just how to kind of manage manage volunteers. So for those out there that don't know, what does CASA stand for? It stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Awesome. And CASA is near and dear to my heart. I've worked on a lot of cases as a therapist with CASA volunteers, and I think they can just make such a huge impact in a case. So uh, I greatly uh, appreciate them and what they do and uh, you for your time doing that, too. I think that's amazing. So I know you talked a, a bit about you have some background in nonprofit management. Can you tell us more about what it's been like for you managing a nonprofit? Because... As we well know, it's it can be tough. It can be. Um, when I was with CASA, I did everything as the director. Accounting, HR, fundraising, marketing, everything. Mm-hmm. And so as fun as it was, it could be a little overwhelming. Definitely had to prioritize your time. 
and uh, really make sure that you kept the organization's mission at the forefront of everything you did because you could be pulled in 10 different directions and it was really easy to lose sight of, of what that mission was. And so I needed a bit of a break and um, was able to take the job with ETSU and the foundation. It was a job where I could just be very focused on fundraising versus having all those other things on mm-hmm. my plate. And so that was nice for a few years. Um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot about plan giving and major donors and, you know, how to cultivate donors and, and really, you know, as much money as I helped raise at ETSU, which was, you know, millions of dollars, I really didn't have to ask. It was really about matching the donor's passion and what they were wanting to do with the mission and the programs at ETSU. So it was, it was neat to learn that side of fundraising. And then at United Way, I stepped into the role as resource development director, which is what I was doing at ETSU. And so I was able to step in, learn how United Way worked, because it can be a little complicated um, compared to other nonprofits. I learned about the campaign and how that worked, and then got the opportunity to be the director um, right in the middle of COVID. And so that that was interesting, Mm -hmm. but but I've loved it. Well, that's awesome. Um, So, of course, over the last few years, filled with challenge after challenge, uh, when it comes to leading a team with a lot of people and and many moving parts, will you share the most important lessons you've learned about creating resiliency in yourself and your team? Yeah, I think COVID helped us all learn a little more about resilience and and even how to lead a team in, in difficult times. I think the things I've learned so far, I'm still learning every day. I think the things I've learned so far is just to really listen to what people are telling me and follow through with it. Even when I was a director at CASA, I am a leader that really wants people to work at the best of their ability, even Mm -hmm. if it's not the same way I work. Mm -hmm. And so through COVID, you know, we did a lot of hybrid in office, at home, in coffee shop, and we still got the job done. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of COVID and everybody being back at the office, it was difficult for Mm -hmm. everybody, I think. And so we did come up with a plan as a team to um, have more of a hybrid schedule. And even when I was at CASA, I told my team, I don't want you to sit at your computer on Friday afternoon scrolling through Facebook. If you're done working, Go home, spend time with your family. Right. Gone are the days when we have to sit in front of our computers from nine to five. We just don't have to do that anymore. And COVID showed us that very clearly. Mm-hmm. So just really listening to the needs of my team. And I think too, I have such a large age gap in my team. So I have somebody right out of college and I have somebody who's maybe 10 years away from retirement and everybody in between. And so knowing kind of those needs and really listening to what's important to them, um, I think has made a huge difference. That's awesome, because that leads me into my next question. What qualities do you feel are most important in a leader? Listening. (laughs) Listening. Really listening. Not really taking your perspective out of it, because you're a leader for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. But making sure that your perspective isn't the only perspective in the room. I mean, you want to make sure that all those ideas are heard. And, you know, the other thing... I love to try things. Like I told my marketing director all the time, let's try it. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we will try something else because you never know if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, 
you'll get the same results, right? But if we're going to grow, then we have to try new things. And so I'm a big proponent in letting people try stuff, even if it's working from home or trying a new system or a new process. And we've tried things and it's failed. And, you know, we try and mitigate that risk as much as we can. And we do. I mean, we're very careful as a nonprofit not to take huge risks. But I think we need to take enough that we can grow and expand Mm -hmm. And we've done that, and, and we've been successful at things, too. So what are the most rewarding aspects of your job? Really just seeing our nonprofits thrive, yeah. seeing the programs that we invest in change people's lives. I mean, we, we meet with our nonprofits quarterly, and one thing that we've started doing is having them share success stories when we first mm-hmm. get together and just hearing the stories of uh, the kids and the families and, and the individuals that are affected by those organizations in a positive way has just been it's just so rewarding Mm. Mm -hmm. I know the United Way does so many things to support a a lot of different people so what are some of the ways that people can get involved in helping to support the United Way yeah so we do a huge volunteer event in June called week of caring Mm -hmm. and that's the time where people can kind of get their feet wet with Mm -hmm. volunteering we have volunteer opportunities that whole week with over 20 of our nonprofit programs and it's a time where people can come out, see the work that our nonprofits are doing and help them with that work. And so I think that's a good way to start. I encourage people if they want to get involved. Some people want to help their community and they don't know how. Right. And United Way is a perfect place to call and say, how can I help? And we can figure out, again, like I did at ETSU, what's your passion? And we have all these connections to all these nonprofits and we can figure out and match them with mm-hmm. their with that passion. So really if somebody wants to start to be involved with United Ways, come out and volunteer, come out and talk to us and we'll figure out, you know, what your passion is and, and where we can plug you into the community. Yeah, does it hurt to pick up the phone and just give a call? Yeah. So if you could step into our shoes, what's one thing we didn't ask it we probably should have? Uh, I think maybe what are the struggles of our community and our nonprofits right now. I think if we look as a whole at our community, if I were, if I had a million dollars and could put it anywhere, I would choose mental health Mm -hmm. and affordable housing. Yes. I think those are our biggest issues if we're looking at, say, Washington County right now. Um, But really this region, I I would even take that regionally. I can say one of the struggles for Frontier Health right now is finding people to work. Yes. We have 137 jobs open. So if you're listening to this, go to frontierhealth.org slash careers. We have something for you. Yeah, that's a, and I was going to say, the number one thing we hear from our nonprofits is people. We yes. People. And not only, you know, some nonprofits are set up that they're hiring. Some need people but don't have the funding to hire. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have, you know, those two situations going on right now. But yes, any nonprofit I talk to, what's your biggest need? People, people, people. And we're a big proponent of making sure the people who work in our nonprofits are being taken care of, too. Mm -hmm. And and I know that's hard for nonprofits to pay at a competitive rate, but we try to do everything we can to get them to that point where they pay at a competitive rate Mm -hmm. um, so that they can hire people and retain people. Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right on the affordable housing. There's just not enough in this area. I hear that constantly. That is a big problem. Mm -hmm. If people find a place to rent they, you know, it's gone very, very quickly. So people have to move and find those very fast and that can get tough. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have 
um, nonprofits that we work with that have people, families ready to move into a home. They can, af- they can afford it. They're working. You know, they, they have the means. We even had a story of a mom. She has a child who's autistic, and so she needed to stay within the Johnson City school system. And she had a voucher to buy a house. She couldn't find anything. And she had to give that voucher up because she couldn't find anything that was affordable for her that fit within that voucher in the city. And so, and that's just one of quite a few stories I've heard of our nonprofits that have people ready to to move on to that next step, but they can't find housing for them. It seems during the pandemic, like all the prices just shot up for rent and housing in our area. Yeah, the housing market has definitely changed, but I'm hoping it's leveled out a little bit. And I know, I know our city, you know, we're in constant contact with our local government and I know they're working on it, Right. but it's just one of those things. How fast can we get it done? Yeah. And you're, and you're so right on the mental health piece too. I think all over the place, that's a, a big struggle. It's just people's mental health has sort of suffered since COVID especially. And um, I know I, I do school-based services. So, you know, we see that with our kids a lot and I know adults are struggling as well. Uh, I think we just see that across the board as, you know, again, if you go back to housing, you put somebody in a house, but can they stay there? You know, is their mental health well enough to stay there? Can we, can we wrap those services around them? It's been great having you. Thank you for coming on Impact Stigma. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. Yes. Uh, So thank you so much for your time today, Leslie. We are so honored to have you on the show. Um, For our Impact Stigma family, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Impact Stigma, and we thank you for tuning in. Yeah, and don't forget to remember to share this podcast with your friends and family, social media. Find it on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Yeah, and we can't wait to spend time with all of you again soon, and thank you for continuing to help us make an impact. Stigma can help make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous emotional and economical burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions and directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community, one that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family, because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website, impactstigma.com, and watch the video on how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. We are so grateful you chose us. We want to thank our guest again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to impact stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you to go make an impact.